It's episode number 98 of the Red River Horror Podcast, and we're not talking Barbenheimer here. We're talking Hollis Day with filmmaker Mary Gallagher and her film that was released on July 25th on digital download and video on demand. Once again, this is episode number 98 of the Red River Horror Podcast. Join us and help us support indie film. Sit back, relax, and travel those channels of fear. Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. This is episode number 98. I am your host, Joe Zagreski, joined as always by RedRiverHorror.com founder, Eddie Cayazzo. Hey, Ed, how are you? Joe, I'm, I'm hot. It's the summer. It is the summer. I'm very hot. <laughs> I'm actually cool. I just got back from a trip down south where was, uh, the humidity was just off the charts and now back up here. It's like bad, but not as bad. Huh, so, okay. Some relief. But anyway, we got a special guest today. Yes, we do. We do. We have filmmaker Mary Gallagher joining the show. Mary, how are you? Welcome to the Red Hi. Podcast. Hi, how are you? All right, cool. Thanks. We're doing great. Very excited. Checked out the trailer for um, Hollis Day coming out July 25th. Video on demand and digital download, right? And Amazon Prime Video. And Amazon Prime Video. Oh, like, so if you have Prime, you can watch it for free or you still have to yeah. Whoa. I do. Tomorrow. Oh. Sweet, because I am going to watch it, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> film, because I thought it looked pretty neat, because it hit on my my first thing, so we're not going to try and give away too many spoilers, but the basics mm-hmm. of, you know, imagine renting a place, a getaway. Yes. And then someone else books it at the same time as you. Oh, no. And there's nothing to rectify that. So that in itself sounds like a horrific situation, but then you... you <laughs> <laughs> Add it on to yeah. it. Who are these people? Get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, it hits on one of my favorite pieces of lore because, like, sometimes on the show we do movies, but then also we do episodes where we'll cover, we'll go, you know, outside the box. So, like, whether it's like so, some kind of local lore, wherever. And one of my favorites with from Ireland is the Banshee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we get here. So, what what brought you to? Uh, what's like the inspiration behind this film? Like, where where did you start with this and? Now, now you're here, right? About to be released. So, uh, I I was a political reporter for a very long time, and uh, I produced debates for Comcast. And I was into producing. I was on the board of the Philadelphia Film Society. Oh, uh, right. you guys remember that? Sharon Pinkinson. So, so she's the film office. Oh, this was the film festival. Oh my uh, gosh! I'm it sorry. was. Ran by TLA Entertainment Group. Remember them? Sure do. Yes. So, yeah. So they had a great international festival for about 20 years. And I watched a lot of film. I also had a loft in Old City back in those days. Uh, Old City was just up and coming. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I was known as Mary Patel back then, right? So uh, it was my journalist name. But so I got to know a lot of producers and actors and mostly producers and the business side of film. And, you know, newspapers all were downsized. My column was downsized. Mm-hmm. City paper was sold. Um, and so I thought, well, let me retool. Let me let me think, you know, what else I want to do. And I had done a documentary called Electile Dysfunction about the dysfunctionality <laughs> of the American voter. That was on yeah. Netflix, came out in 2008. And so I liked film. And like I said, I got to know producers at the, you know, the film festival so I moved to LA in 2010. I started working on other people's projects and then I started to develop my own. Um, and I had a great project uh, that lost funding during COVID. 
So it was an Irish theme. Uh, Irish theme because my husband's from Ireland and ghosts okay. and banshees and druids and all that and spirits has always been very prevalent in the, that part of the world, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. So a couple of years ago, I sat down and I thought, you know what, I maybe I'm going to do a horror movie, but horror to me is not slasher. It is story like Halloween 1. Yep. Um, M. Night Shyamalan's movie, Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. So I like the story and the surprise element. So I wanted to craft that into my script, which I wrote. And because I'm independent and didn't have, you know, unlimited checkbook, mm-hmm. uh, you have to think about reality. And, and so I don't have green screen or CGI. And a lot of these horror movies today, you know, creatures are on the wall upside down or they're mm-hmm. transforming into something or their heads are spinning all over the place. And they, <laughs> you know. That's not me, right? That's not going to be my movie. So you have to think about going back to the Halloween one, right? What mm-hmm. made that tension was the lighting and the masks. Matt Michael Myers, right? Yep. Even going back to 2008 with The Strangers. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that film. That's a big favorite around here. <laughs> okay, so so yep. that was all lighting and tension and, mm-hmm. and the expectation. There wasn't a lot of – there was no special effects. Uh, there was blood, but there wasn't um, – you know, nobody was blowing up in front of you or transforming. It was more psychological. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do something like that. So I I wrote the script and and I came up with this idea. Holiday is actually a British term for staycation, stay at home vacation. I learned that after Googling it. <laughs> so. Yeah. So after, after in this rental house and it takes place in San Diego, even though it was shot here in Vegas, uh, it was actually shot in my house. I oh. shot it in the house. Um, my house because when I was looking for a location, I, um, you know, and, and Vegas isn't quite LA yet, or it's not a film town yet. You will mm. sort of limited and they, they have a great film office, but, um, you know, locations are far and few between. And, and when I was looking for the right house, there was restrictions. We had to be out by eight o'clock. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I need the night. I need the nighttime. Right. Sure. Equipment has to be out. We can't keep it. So overnight or whatever. And then some people lived in the house half, you know, on the other side of the house and that's more people, more noise. So I'm thinking, no, I'm just going to do it in my house. And so, you know, budgetary wise, a lot of things, a lot of horror movies do take place in one location, cemetery, house, castle, haunted hotel, whatever. It's not unusual. So all these elements played into the script, hence the film. Yeah. No, it's, and that's perfect. Like it's one of, uh, I know it's one of my favorite things when talking about, um, you know, independent film and making your own stuff. Like we went through that. We did a short a few years ago planning our next one. And it's like going through that planning of the practical effect. <laughs> um, so like ours was we could only shoot at this. It was my cousin's mechanic <laughs> shop and we can only shoot there at night. And the whole film's in yeah. black, black and white because we couldn't get the, you know, yeah. we didn't have daylight. So we just messed with the lighting and that's what made it work. Where we've had a. Uh, some other people coming on just with like, how do you capture like, was there any like aha moments like to capture like a sound or something that you thought would really bring in the atmosphere with the lighting or like, I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but it was. No, we were pretty controlled. Yeah. I mean, um, I try, we were a six day shoot. That's it. Wow. Yeah. So I, and we only have six characters. We have four leads to supporting. So I try to, you know, yeah, yeah. If you have a small, small element, so you have, I had let's see, eight crew, six actors, and me. Next time, I'm going to get an AD 
because <laughs> I thought, well, I don't need, I, I, I can move through this. It's only six people, six actors. Nah, you need an AD. You need the barking dog in the room. I'm just trying to, you know, uh, but no, I mean, it was, it was, there was no great ex, there was no great surprises or, or anything. It was pretty much what I expected. That's great. <laughs> the surprise is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, well, so I guess then that puts a lot of, if you have a small cast, that puts a lot of strain on the actors to do a really good job. Can you introduce us to some of the cast in this film? Well, I hired all professionals. Uh, some of them I knew. I knew they could do the job and they were very tight, tight cast. I mean, I, they, it wasn't a stretch for any of them. Okay. You know, one's a great character actor, Steven Martini plays Tony. Um, and the other, the Irish couple, uh, Gavin O'Foy and Aaron Gavin, they're just, they were just perfect for the roles. I, I already kind of premeditated on who I wanted when I was writing it. Nice. So That's when I was good. writing it, I had a vision in my head about, about, about that, about the four leads. Nice. You know, I wanted Gia to be Latina. Um, so, and she's actually married to Steven Martini in real life. So that worked. A couple. It's easy for their schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. So it, it kind of flowed, you know. I mean, there there are there, there is moments. Everybody has moments, and then you look back and you think how you would have done some things differently. But not acting; it was be te- more technical than the creative. Hmm. Okay. Nice. So then, I guess how long from how long ago was this shot? This film, Holiday, last April. Wow. Okay. So not that long of a turnaround to, yeah. to completion and release. Cause that's mm-hmm. so, some of the folks we speak to it, it. It's a three to four year process for some <laughs> to get the film out. Well, the, the key is, um, to get distribution yep. as soon as possible. I mean, get it before you shoot, if you can. Um, like I said, when I was at the, the board of the Philadelphia film society, uh, for the film festival in Philly, I mean, I saw so many great films and they just never saw the light of day. Wow. Never saw the light of day. I mean, you just, you know, there's, uh, if you can get distribution That's the key. before you spend the money and the time, because the movie is just going to sit in a link somewhere in a box. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and then time runs on. So now your movie is three, four five years old. Right. So it's becoming older. And it's not released yet. If it's already released and it's been out, that's fine. It can you can have a life. I mean, I look at streaming. I see stuff from two thousand five, two thousand. You know, doesn't matter. If it's a good movie. It's a good movie. But you got to get the movie out. You got to get it up, right? Yeah. You can't just. It's hard to get distribution after five years when nothing's happened to their movie, right? Because well, there's you. There's a million behind you who want the same thing. So you have to always be current and on top of things. So I would encourage filmmakers to, you know, get out and network and find and meet distributors. We got to get down to the Philly film office and start talking, shaking some hands. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pro- no, cause one thing I found with Philly, uh, Mary, I'll be completely honest. Um, you were here for a very long time. That's, that's, I was actually, we got to talk some Philly in a little bit, but, um, one thing I found about this environment specifically, and it, it goes for the music scene in Philly, and I think it goes for the film scene, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very, it doesn't seem like locally people want 
you to succeed in something. So if you have a yeah. friend who has a really good film and you're like, oh my gosh, it's, and then it really starts getting some some play, like in, accepted into big festivals and then they're going to make it. Same with like a local band. It's it, it doesn't seem like an environment to say, you know what, I want to help that person. I want to elevate them so that they get to that next spot. There's more of like a, just like, well, if that's not me, then I don't care. You know? It, yeah. I, it's clicky. You know, I... I when I was when I was a reporter, I was always, you know, I I, I went around, I, I you know, I saw a lot of things, knew a lot of different people. I I, I try to be supportive. Um, I think I think Philadelphia is. Oh, I, I love Philadelphia. I born and raised there, and I miss it. You know, um, I but I think it's a different sort of. Uh, I, here's an example, right? When I moved to LA, to, to, you know, I left Philadelphia, moved to LA. A lot of people, they said to me, you know, you're never going to make it there. (laughs) You're going to come back. You're not going to like it. It's vapid. It's this. It's that. Uh, You know, true in a way, but then there are some real people, you know, there's some real people. And and what is, what is Hollywood anyway? Hollywood is wherever it is. I mean, the days of the studios have waned. I mean, nobody's shooting in studios hardly unless you're in Burbank and you're shooting a TV show. You know, because now with with all the tax credits all over the world, I mean, there's movies that are shot. I mean, you know, so, you know, to say, let's say, oh, we're not going to move to L.A. You're not going to like it. So getting back to your question about Philadelphia, it's, they are a bit parochial in their sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, here's an example. Not one of my reporter friends that I knew in the past reached out to me for an interview. You're the only Philly guys. And that came through my publicist. Or Breaking Glass Pictures publicist, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Breaking Glass Pictures is Richard Wolf and Susan Helfrich, Philly people. Richard was a key partner of TLA Entertainment Group, which ran the film festival, which had wow. the video stores. Remember the video stores? That's uh-huh. what I was about to say. That's like, what I remember, I remember most. Remember, so, like, yeah, we I mean, you know, we were young bucks in, in high school coming out of Broad and Vine. You know, we're, <laughs> we're relying on SEPTA to get around. So, it's like we were running around the streets. I remember running into TLA. You know, maybe getting kicked out of a TLA video <laughs> in my Catholic so TLA, school uniform. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was TLA, and then yeah. they had the stores, and then they had the uh, the film festival um, that they picked up. It was already there, but they financed it. You always yeah. need an anchor financer for a festival, hmm. and so then they disbanded. I think it was two thousand and nine. The partners, and then Richard opened Breaking Glass, and he was distribution now he's huge he's gotten really really big you know um when the weinstein company folded it opened up a lot of opportunity for independent distributors yeah absolutely you're seeing it so that's a very good thing for indie people like me to get yourself in that mix and into that loop but getting back to philadelphia so it's interesting because my name patel i was married to ron patel who was the one of the top editors of Philadelphia Inquirer. <laughs> and uh, he had a lot of, you know, I was in this whole journalism world. I don't know if you ever heard of the Pen and Pencil Club. Very familiar. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so Ron had, a, Ron had been president. Ron passed away in 2000, January 2000. Okay. Um, I was married 10 months and he, and he passed away. But I had already been known as Mary Patel and that's why I kept my byline and I remarried a few years ago, Eugene Gallagher. So I combined the names. Now I'm trying to get Mary Gallagher. But getting back to Philadelphia, 
So independent pencil club, you know, there's lots of journalists, right. That mm-hmm. I know. And there's, they're still doing things or they're doing blog, not blogs, but you know, um, like what you guys are podcasts or, sure. or they're doing some writing or they're still writing. Right. Yeah. But nobody, and I'm all, I know I'm, I'm all on social media with them. It's not like I disappeared. Nobody from Philly has reached out and said, Oh my gosh, Mary, it's been a while, but Hey, I got, you got a movie. Let's talk about it. You don't have to like it, but you know, at least, an ink, a little bi- a little blurb somewhere, right? Sure. Yeah. Share the love. I mean, nothing. Yeah. Wow. And so I guess I don't understand it. Like I don't. I maybe you know, like you say. Well, they're not supportive of the of the of the artistic community. Maybe if I was an athlete. Right. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they'd be excited. <laughs> you know, she's she's in the locker room or the yeah. I don't know. You, right. you should um, you should have led the, the whole press release should have led with either Jalen Hurts or Joel Embiid and you would have definitely got some ink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, so I, you're right. It is it is it is a mystery uh, to me, um, but I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't know why there uh, and it, and there are there's great talent in Philly, great talent, great great filmmakers, great musicians. Yeah. I think it gets um, a little clicky because, you know, you're kind very of defending, clicky. you're defending yourself for the next step because New York's right up the turnpike. <laughs> and, you know, a if you lot, got yeah, an opportunity up want- there, you don't want to pop somebody up above you. To, that's where I've seen it just with other things being like, you know, the, there's industry very close. Yeah. So I yeah. think a lot of people back when I was there, a lot of people, especially writers, they were trying to get to New York. Yes. Yeah. That was the thing. Get to get get or get to the Washington Post. Get right. to the bigger papers. Uh, although the Enquirer at one time had been very big and won eighteen Pulitzers. Once I upon a time, once upon, it's just crazy where how where where the Inky and Daily News have ended up. I mean, it's just the it's, yeah, the, it's the way it goes. It's the it's not just them. It's just that once it started to be read online, it was all over. Yeah, you yeah. still need writers to do the content though. You do, you, you do, but even like uh, the local paper, we're, we're, you know, born and raised from Roxbury, Andorra, um, and my cousin Bernie, like, he, that's how I got to know the P&P, because he wrote for the Roxbury Review, so he did the local paper, and then once he, he passed in 2015, and, I mean, I don't think the review's really done much since, I mean. No, he was, he was, passion, he was the Passion in journalism's kind of been fading for the blogosphere, which is a, unfortunate, but. Yes, and there's so many different deliveries of uh, yeah. journalism. Like, what is journalism anyway now? You know, it's, um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know, with, with all the news that comes out, and you have to decipher through what's real and what's not. <laughs> you know, I mean, back when I was a reporter, we had editors and we had fact checkers and we couldn't print anything that wasn't fact, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then I remember when I was covering the presidential conventions, bloggers were big. Yeah. Remember bloggers? So <laughs> we used to say, well, bloggers are not trained journalists. They're just, they just write things, what they want. 
still do. Not all of them. Not all of them, yeah. but some of them. Well, here's the problem. Now the bloggers are the journalists. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, oh, and, and bloggers are obsolete. So you have, you know, and then you have what's called freedom of speech now, right, on these social platforms. Well, I have freedom of speech. I can write what I want. It's called freedom of speech. And if you and if they're regulated on the social platforms, then they get called on it because, wait a minute, what happened to free speech? Sure. But your speech is malevolent it's it's not accurate yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's the, the always the race to be first to publish something as opposed to being right it's right? wild it's just wild how that goes but <laughs> i mean but the thing i do miss the free paper because like i would tell like my daughter would ask me like you know what did you do before cell phones weren't you just bored all the time i'm like not really like no. i would always like find something especially like getting on like the bus in the morning and getting like, grabbing a metro or a city paper whichever box i came across first we well, yeah, had the, the orange new- boxes yeah. yeah well so the metro we would get on the bus that's right metro was on and the then, bus and metro, then metro the metro paper but when you got to the stop yeah. Or if you had to walk from the building to the next stop, yeah. there would always be the city, city paper. Because what I loved about the city paper, I was at the time obsessed with music, like all of it. I would go to oh, shows. Oh, they had a great music section. Oh my gosh, that it was it was so good. I it was the only it was my only connection really to what was happening locally. Like we, all the big music acts, I mean, how old was I? 2000, what? We're 12, 14, 15, 14. We were like 14 or 15 back in 2000. So like obviously all the major stuff, we had MTV, we were good there. But if, if there was like, I don't know, the Misfits playing at the Troc, just oh, like, yeah, I, all the shows. I would read that in the city paper specifically. That was my connection. That Before the internet gave us everything we wanted immediately. Yeah, uh, the city paper. I, I, I don't know if you guys ever read ADM Morosi's column. He used to write a whole column for years. He was there the same time I was about all the comings and goings of the club scene. I probably did. I used to read, um, read it like front to back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Philly. It was an eclectic, vibrant town it was we've been doing it's i mean just what an interesting time to like cover city politics going from like 95 to 2008 like through the the rendell and street run oh yeah that's that's the time i wrote <laughs> yeah I wrote, yeah well i wrote and 95 through 2008 but those were the heydays i had the best time with the rendell yeah. administration i bet and, <laughs> you know it, it just it was just and then john street came in and that was interesting uh and then I think I left around the time Michael Nutter got elected. Yeah, so you, as soon as the first Comcast Tower went up, <laughs> yeah, that's when you're on your way out. Is that? Pop- I was on my way out. Yeah. yeah. And now I hear it's all changed a lot. I don't. I don't know. Tons I, of I, change. My friends say it's all changed. Tons of change over that time. I mean, especially in like Fishtown, Northern Liberties, like they were on the ups now, and now they're full in South Philly, Southwest Philly. Um, there's just so much, so much to do, so much going on down there. It's great. But a lot of the Utes that moved in, though, so so some of the places, some of those neighborhoods, like, they forget that they were, you know, once Philly neighborhoods. I'm thinking Fishtown specifically. Yeah. So it's Fishtown, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have these, these, these Utes from the Burbs moving in, and they forget that, you know, there was a neighborhood there sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that, that <laughs> does know? happen. But yeah. all good things. Um, I mean, Old City's still Old City. Just, I think Old yeah. City's gotten a more... There's not as much to do there. It feels like a lot of things have kind of left. Well, I think just because, like, my favorite bars have left, like, Drinkers is not there anymore and Sugar Moms isn't there anymore and the Irish Pole is not Sugar Moms is gone? Yeah, pour one out for Sugar Moms. That was the, that was the best. What happened to Sugar Moms? 
Uh, it rebranded to just like sugars, and I I don't know if it was. I don't, it was always busy, and it, that was it closed before the pandemic too. I think oh, really? a lot of like the nightlife scene shifted up into like Center City and like Center City West, and maybe a little more South Philly in the newer neighborhoods. Oh. It's like Old City wasn't as much of a scene as it used to be. Wow. Now it's more of like you you know nicer nicer restaurants, much more calm. Yeah. But, but Phil, Philadelphia also it. it I mean, we'll just be honest. It doesn't really have a friendly business environment. They did a lot to the bars and restaurants during COVID. And then trying to adjust coming out of COVID, they were very slow to make a lot of decisions. And then, like, for example, they had these streeteries, right? You could all these restaurants moved pretty much out into the street and they close off streets. So coming back from that, um they just decided just like, okay, well, w- w- you're not allowed to have your streetery anymore, period. Just like, well, we've adjusted our entire business model. Um, we made it. And now you're choking us again. Or, you know, a parking lot is completely decrepit and they haven't built it up. And, you know, there, there is yeah. more of a crime. So that locally, they haven't really done a good job. It's not really as friendly a business environment as it was. I'm sure when the time you were here. We'll see what happens. That's like the whole. So in like further growth, we're sticking with Old City. So my favorite movie theater in the city is in Old City. And that's the Ritz Five. Yes, Five. Yeah, I love the Ritz Five. So I was going to ask you, do you have one that you like better? Or like what's your favorite theater that you've been to in the city? Did you get around to like the did you check out Ritz, you know, Ritz Five, Ritz of the Bourse? Um, I talk about, oh, in Philly. Um, Or yeah, just in general, the Philly area, like. You know, Ambler has their their independent film uh, movie theater out there, or Bryn Mawr Film Prince Institute. Is the still? The, I haven't been for back for a while, guys. Yeah. I just want to let you know. These, are, <laughs> these, are, these have been. been around for for ages. So the Prince Theater was a good place. Prince. I screened my film there, Electile Dysfunction. Did they still show films there? I think so. I'm pretty sure mm. on Chestnut Street. Yeah, nice. Um. Then there was, yeah, the Ritz at the Bourse, the Ritz at Second and Chestnut, was it? Or Second and. Yeah, uh, it was the one you get your, the box office is outside and then you got to take an escalator down. Yeah, that one. Is that still there? <laughs> so that one is now no more. There, I think everything's out of the, out of Ritz 5 for the most part. Oh, okay. But yeah, I missed that one. Um, and I'm trying to think what other movie theaters were there. Well, you know, one. I lived in the city, so I used to walk or, yeah. cat, you know, that was before a lift, right? Yep. Bus, subway, subways were great. I go from 2nd Street to 15th Street. Um, wasn't there a big movie theater down in College Town, too? Down by Penn? Uh, in University City? Um, yeah, wasn't there one down there? There probably was, but that's, University City has basically been knocked down and rebuilt by Drexel and Penn. Um, yeah. so knocked down by who? Drexel. <laughs> Drexel and UPenn. So the, <laughs> ah. the whole landscape there, I mean, post 2008 now, that's a whole whole new area wow. in itself. Um, but yeah, so there was the Roxy Theater. I think that was on Sam. The Roxy. Oh my God. Let's do it. Let's do our <laughs> next interview on nostalgia. We should. <laughs> well, that's a, no, Mary, you've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. No, the film's called Hollis Day. Uh, you can get it anywhere you can get video on demand. Amazon Prime. Prime is video. Cool. I didn't know about that coming mm-hmm. into this. I guess yeah, it's if, on Amazon Video Prime tomorrow. Um, so if you could, anything you could leave us with about the film that you want people to know about? Uh, again, it's a slow burn. 
Love it's a, I'm a, a fan. story. Uh, everything happens at the end. So uh, it's 90 minutes. And just know the ending is not what you think it is. Okay. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it most definitely will. Well, thank you again, Mary yeah. Gallagher, producer, director. I think you you pretty much did it all, and uh, and we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for letting yeah. us pick your brain on some some old Philly stuff. It's yeah. it's good. Oh, thank you. You know, I'd be happy to come back and do it again sometime. You know, I mean, it would be great. You know, next time a little way down the road, you guys watch it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let you know what you think, and then we can segue into, you know, what was Benjamin. Or, or Billy Penn. Billy Penn's okay, right? City Hall's still there? Yep, City yeah, Hall's still there. still there. They stole the railing from it last year, but that, that's still standing. They stole the railing from yeah. Billy Penn? Yeah. How uh, did they manage uh, that? Just one of the, um, it was one of these historic railings on the uh, City Hall that, I don't know, but they did. I don't know. But it's actually, no, I mean, what they did with Dilworth Park is yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yep. like a whole huge Christmas village out there now. It's much more of a public square. Than just, I heard that. Just, I heard, uh, you know, yeah. I have to come. I, I was thinking about going in the fall for to go back and see some friends, and you know, we'll meet up at the P and P for a drink. How's that? That sounds good. I love that place. So you're speaking my language. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a wonderful. And Dirty bar. Franks. I liked Dirty Franks Dirty, too. Is that still there? Dirty Franks is going nowhere. Cash only. Oh, still, yeah. nothing changes. <laughs> Cash only. Yeah, nothing. Good. It's exactly the same as it always has been and always will be. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Sheila's still there. Sheila. I I don't know. I would have to. <laughs> He's gonna he, he's gonna go I mean, on the tour now. Running <laughs> next time down there, I'll be down there next week and I'll ask. <laughs> Sheila, she's been there twenty five years, probably. Jody, Jody bought the place, I think. Jody, that sounds about right. She was <laughs> that, the bartender. She yeah. bought it. She bought it from Frank. Yeah, there's a, it's such a unique corner. But I've, I don't think I've ever, you've ever been in there. I have not. You know, I have to take I'm you sorry. in there sometime for you just have to, to go in there. What, what there's it, no what? food, just so you know. Okay. No food. There's no great food restaurants cash. around there. Can oh, you yeah. smoke in there? No, not anymore. <laughs> I'm just pen and pencil. You can. <laughs> really? <laughs> Journalists are smoking? Oh, dude, they got cigar- you got the old guys. They're sipping martinis and cigars, and they're wow. they're big big martini glasses. Okay. They're not messing around. <laughs> they don't yeah. mess around in there. No, they don't. They <laughs> don't mess around in Frank's. Nope. nope. <laughs> well, no. Mary Gallagher, we will yeah. definitely catch up after we've seen the film. We're coming up Red River Horror here on our 100th podcast episode, so we will. Uh, Congratulations! We- Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Congrats we'll on touch. the film. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, guys. All right. Can't wait to see it. So thank you for your time, Mary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us with our interview with Mary Gallagher. Again, you can check out Hollis Day on Video On Demand on Amazon Prime and wherever else you can download movies. This has been episode number 98 of the Red River Horror Podcast. I've been Joe Zakreski. That's been Ed Kayazo over there. You been good, Ed? You good? Uh, doing good, man. Just catch us at Red River Horror on all the platforms. Subscribe on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Hit that Hit bell. bell. Yeah, do all that fun stuff. Joe D'Angelo's going to love us for doing that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, but I'm out. Thank you, Joe. Hey, sounds great. And hey, remember to keep traveling those channels of fear. <laughs>